prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, you have given us your way into your holy place through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us this day to receive that word that allows us to participate in Christ, for he gives himself to us through this word. Help us to understand it, dear Lord, and take it to heart, that it might enlighten us and encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right, well, uh, we did sort of a jaunt through uh, as a review last week, so uh, I won't spend too much time on that this week. Um, but uh, just in summary, so far we've come... Uh, Jesus is the one speaking. It's, it's his word that gives us salvation. Uh, and then we look at not neglecting that word. Uh, that word is what saves us. Uh, and then it jumps into who Jesus is. Right? He's the son. He's the faithful one. He's the high priest. And all of these titles then are how he delivers the gifts to us. Um, he moves from that saying Jesus delivers these gifts by his word to saying there's dangers out there. Uh, you could ignore it, or you could think there's another way to salvation. Uh, and if you go that route, there's no hope, for hope is only in Jesus. Um, we ended last week with uh, chapter 8, uh, where we're, we're sort of diving finally into what the Old Covenant is and the New Covenant. Um, we, we dealt with Jesus bringing about a New Covenant, uh, so in, uh, in verse 7, uh, in chapter 8, uh, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Uh, so here is really the crux of the argument. Um, now, I, I should go back. In chapter 8, verse 1, Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of, of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary, and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, and not man. That's the point. Jesus is the high priest. And he's the one that everything is about, because he both is one with the Father and one with us, and he is the one who brings about this new covenant. But now in, in verse 7, uh, we see this: the, the two are compared. The first and the second. The first one uh, was, there was a fault in it. What was the fault in the first covenant? What, what, someone said it. People. Yeah, we were the fault, right? It was our sin and our weakness. Uh, for the law is perfect and right and good, but we are weak and unable to fulfill it. And so that old covenant, that first covenant, could never bring us salvation. Um, but of course, as, uh, as Paul will sort of explain it in Galatians, it was our guardian. It was a keeper for us uh, to lead us towards the one who would bring about the second covenant. Uh, or rather, uh, be able to fulfill the first and give that to us as a gift. So then, now we're sort of jumping into, what is this new covenant? What does it mean that we're part of this covenant? So that's where we're starting in chapter 9. Uh, so chapter 9, verse 1. Then, indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, the showbread, which is called the sanctuary, and behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden altar of incense, and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the gold pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. All right, all right so this first part, um, I, I, I don't know if you've... It's a great idea, if, if you have one of these study Bibles, to look at the picture of it. Um, because these are very, uh, you know, very image-oriented um, uh, going through the tabernacle. So again, there's two rooms, uh, the first and the second room. And that first room is where if, if you went in, uh, you'd have the showbread, you'd have um, the, uh, the candle uh, or the candelabra, um, and then you'd have the, uh, the altar of incense in front of you, uh, and then that's the veil. 
right? And then if you go past the veil, you're in the holiest of holies, and you have the ark with those things inside of it. Um, so, so again, it's a, first of all, it's a house. Right? This is the house of God. This is where he chooses to dwell. It's where he puts his name. But you're actually going in there to meet God. Um, but the difference in the Old Testament is who could do that? Who was in those places? What? Yeah, well, the high priest once a year could go where? Holy of holies, right? So he was always within the holy place. Um, and, and he was doing that work in the holy place. But you're right, that one time a year, uh, and what was that called, that time of year? That one time? Yes, the Day of Atonement! Which again, all these things are shadows, right? Uh, and, and so, of course, on that day, the high priest enters. It's a once, in a, uh, once, in a, once a year kind of thing. Well, now we're going to hear it's a once ever kind of thing in Jesus. Um, but it's different now. Now we, as priests, get to participate. And the high priest has brought us through the veil into the Holy of Holies. But he says here, uh, and it looks like, uh, one of the commentaries that I was reading, I think they're right. Um, it looks like this might have been, you know, if you were like in an in in uh, introductory class, like Christianity 101, maybe they would use all these things, you know, they would use them, because he, he lists them so specifically, um, but here he says, okay, we don't have time for that. Um, so he's, he's sort of saying, you know, this is part of how you became Christian, how you understand uh, the Old Testament, um, but we, we got to move on. Um, so to have that in your mind, this is the Old Covenant. This is the, uh, the First Testament. Um, now he's, he's moving from that picture to what's happening uh, now. So verse 6. Now when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. <clears throat> all right, so, uh, so we have the answers to most of our questions. Okay? He's in the first part. He goes into the second part once a year. Uh, how does he get into the first, how does he get into the second part? What's required? You gotta tie a rope <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's for the guy who uh, you know he's been eating too many hamburgers and you're not sure of his uh, his heart condition. You know, so you gotta drag him out. Yeah. What now? I I'm pretty sure that wasn't just a, that was a thing, right? I mean, was it? Is that really? I I think so. So if you died back there, you could drag him out, right? Um, yeah, so this was the thing. If you went back to the Holy of Holies and something happened to you, uh, you had the strength. So you, you wouldn't have to go back there and get struck dead, right? Only one man had to die, you know, and you could pull him out. I think they wore bells, too, to let them yeah. know they were still moving around. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, you got to think. I mean, this is one day, uh, you know, in the year. They must have been really, really concerned. I mean, this must have happened before. I guess it only has to happen once, you know. I can imagine the committee that put that together. All right, we're doing the bells, <laughs> and we're putting a rope on you. Yeah. In a way, it sounds, I mean, it, is, it seems humorous what they were talking about, but I'm thinking of like when Luther was doing his first communion. How yeah. Ten, right, how, right. How, how he was so overcome. How, yeah, and yeah. And You know, so just imagine you're like a priest back there, it's just you and, I mean, like, yeah, die right or just pass out. Or, right. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I guess they, they don't have to die. He could just pass out. That's right. true. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and, and that brings up a, a good point, too, is uh, in our time, probably, uh, I, I read this, and I think it's probably true. Um, our cultural condition is um, uh, diagnosed by impiety. We are, we are very... We have, we, we have very few things we think are sacred or worth giving reverence to or are holy. Um, everything's just sort of out there. Um, you know, and, and so it's really hard for us to think that way. It's hard for us to think, wow, there's something you wouldn't even want to touch because it's holy? I mean, we, we can sort of, I mean, even when we, um, you know, grace the altar by bowing or doing those other things, it's a good reminder. It reminds our body 
to do those things. Um, but I don't know. Are there cultural spaces where there's anything left that's sort of holy and untouchable nowadays? Or maybe not untouchable, but if you're in the situation, you're very, you know... Untouchable? Uh, the mosque. Yeah. <laughs> the mosque. Okay, besides another religion. <laughs> oh, you had a funeral. Oh, dead bodies. People are very... Very skittish, and maybe uh, maybe that's more out of fear. But but that's that is one way where we try to treat someone with more, you know, standoffishness or reverence. Uh, yeah, Gary. I think it's pretty high secular only place that a lot of people football stadiums. <laughs> yeah. Well, and maybe. Oh, there's that movie uh, Sandlot, right? Um, where the kid takes the ball. You know, and it's like dad's ball that got signed by everyone and the dog eats it, you know. But he wasn't supposed to touch it, right? He wasn't even supposed to, like, get close to it. Speaking of sports, that made me think of that. Um, well, our, our God this, these days is the government, right? And, and our, you know, we still treat our presidents and our senators that way. They're kind of set off. Um, the whole January 6th thing was they went, you know, common people went into the Holy of Holies and now they have to spend time in prison because they walked around in this sacred place that you know the rest of us aren't around, allowed to walk around in. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a there is a reverence given to to government that um, seems to be increasing, which makes sort of sense because uh, we uh, I, the way that the American public is responding to things now is is a little less um, democratic republic. Um, so so there yeah there is some reverence there that seems to be engendered in us um, for uh, public figures. Um, maybe, ooh, uh, maybe uh, popular things like uh, movie stars. People reverence them, right? I, I mean, maybe not, in the, maybe not in like the holy of holy ways, but sort of. I mean, they get sort of butterflies when they're talking to them and oh man. Courthouse. Courthouse. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, oh, and, and maybe that's out of the fear of punishment, right? <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's quite an experience. Especially again, it's sort of shocking to us that we would have a space where like we have to sort of dress differently. Yeah. Tony. The sanctuary area near the altar was always, to me, a very significant uh, holy place because of, uh, of the reverence of God at that particular site. Yeah. So when we had the Christmas decorations and putting them up and then taking them down, I was a little skittish about touching the altar uh, just, just because. Now, I know that doesn't fit well with Lutheran doctrine, but to me, it, it still has some significance, some meaning. Yeah, yeah, and, and so again, we've been we've been sort of talking about external things, um, you know, and, and and then I think too, you know, there is a sense, uh, in, even in some denominations, where there's mo either more or less reverence for certain things. Um, yeah, so so yeah, we do see that still, I think. Um, so uh, yeah, that's. I'm hoping that gives some of a picture of uh, what what kind of reverence we're talking about when we, you know, when that priest went in there. Uh, again, if, if if we believe what God says about it, uh, and again, when we have um, uh, Nadab and Abihu, right? Is yeah, uh, who who went in? I always want to say Nathan, um, who went in to the Holy of Holies, bringing unauthorized fire. What happened to them? They were consumed with fire from the altar. And if you need anything that uh, would help you to be afraid when you uh, are before the presence of God, it's that your friends just got burned to death by God. I mean, that would definitely tell you this is something that the Lord takes seriously. Um, so so the, that's, sort of, that's the mentality, and, and hopefully that gets our minds in a better shape to think of what's happening here. Uh, and the radical nature of him saying it's over. You're not going to do that anymore. Because if you're Jewish 
and someone comes up to you and says, yeah, the temple thing is done. Well, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a big blow to you. What? What? It's done. You, you can't. Where is God now? What, what do I do? Right? Okay. Uh, so going to uh, verse 8. So I'm in chapter 9, verse 8. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Now that's interesting. Why is he saying it's not yet manifest? To the, what, why is that way not shown to us yet? To get to the Holy of Holies. Who, who is it not shown to? So he, sa- he says here, uh, again this is verse 8, the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, was not yet shown while the first tabernacle was still standing. Who is it not shown to? Yeah, right? If I'm, a pers- if, I, if I'm outside of the priesthood, or even if I'm a priest but I'm not a high priest, there's no way for me to get in there. I can't get in there. Um, so yeah, th- th- it's, 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 in a way, it's, it's not shown to us. It's not shown to them. And all we can do is look to that one who's doing the work. All right, so uh, verse 9. It was symbolic for the... Oh, yeah, go ahead. But, but that also means that it was there. The way into the tabernacle yes. was there. Right. But it was not manifest. That's true. That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, 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 and he gets into that, too, that this was always the way. The faith isn't different. Right? The Old Testament faith did not believe that Jesus wasn't the one saving them, but rather a different way. Um, but it was not yet fully manifest. They knew the promised one was coming. They knew this is where he would be. They knew that he would take away their sins, and yet they had not yet seen it. Not yet. Um, okay, so uh, verse 9. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances, imposed until the time of reformation. So th- this is where uh, we see that all those things in the Old Testament, uh, we've already been told this before, are types and shadows. Uh, and, and therefore, they do, what they, they do what they're supposed to do. They teach us about what's to come. And so going back to you know, a Jew who's hearing this and him saying, well, the temple's going to be gone, it's not a problem if the temple disappears if the temple was only meant to teach you about what was to come. It is a problem if the temple disappears if that's the only way to get to God. So you see then that, um, that here, all that stuff was meant to teach. Right? All this stuff concerned with foods and drinks and was meant to continue to shape us and form us as a guardian. Uh, we, we sort of know this. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe in our culture, the best uh, example is driving. Right? You don't just get behind the wheel of a car and start driving. Right? You, you have to be shown what to do. You know, and then after a little while, when, the, when your mom and dad are sat with you and logged the hours with you, uh, and there are usually a specified amount of hours, Finally, the day comes when you get your license and the moment you back out of the parking lot, you run over the stop sign and all is well, right? <laughs> um, but that's, that's sort of what's happening. So we, we have some things among us that tell us there's a maturity process here. Um, so these guardians then were with them and there was a time appointed. Jesus was coming and he wasn't going to come too late and he wasn't going to come too early. And when he came... That would be the time. So just like the, the uh, Israelites in the Old Testament were looking forward, we look back to, to Christ and also, of course, forward to the second coming. Um, but our atonement is in the cross, just like theirs was. So, there, so again, all these washings, all the things in the Old Testament were pictures, shadows, teachings about what Jesus was about to bring. Um, so this, then, is the time of Reformation. Uh, I don't know, what, what, what do you have on, on that? Reformation. Is it Reformation? Okay. Does anyone else have a different word at, at there? Verse 10? What? Last word in 10. Yeah, last word in 10. Reformation. Refor- everyone has Reformation? New order. New order? Oh, I, I, I sort of like that. <laughs> oh. 
Well, there might be an agenda there. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, no, I, but I think that that's helpful too. A new order, right? I mean, that, that's really what we're saying. To be reformed is to be in a different order, right? Um, okay, so, so then everything then was, was meant to lead up to a time when it would all be changed. And so the Jewish nation should have known this. And, and this, is, uh, this is sort of their, their aim. They, they should have known in the Old Testament that this is the preparation. That's why Jesus says to Nicodemus, you're a teacher of Israel? You should know all this stuff. You should know what's going on. Right? Not that he would know exactly how to get to the holiest of holies, but rather that he would know that these are shadows and types, things that were going to be completed. And when they were completed, they were done. Okay, um, so now the time of Reformation has come, and now we're going to hear what it's like in the new order. Right? Okay. Uh, so verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Okay, so there he answers the question. Now Christ goes and uh, one time, and what's different about this holy place that Jesus enters? Aha! Yes, it's not in Jerusalem. And that is, if you're, uh, I think this is why Herod and all those who are in Jerusalem were so upset, right? What's the king doing out there? You know, he should be in here. And he should go right up and sit on the mercy seat, and that's his spot. But that's not the way it worked. Because it was a shadow. It was only meant to show us what's going to happen uh, and what God wishes to do for us. Um, so, uh, what then is this? More perfect tabernacle made without hands. What do you think? It was before, before any creation. In other words, uh, Jesus came from prior to creation. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's this dwelling of God in which we have communion with Him uh, before creation. So it's, it's actually communing with God Himself. The Holy of Holies is actually dwelling with Him and being in unity with him, and having him uh, as part of us. Um, so Christ comes then as this high priest to bring us before our Heavenly Father directly, now with shadows. And, and this, is, <laughs> this is the amazing thing about faith. We actually appear before God. When you pray, you are at the throne room of God before the Heavenly Father. Okay, so... Uh, and, and what, what, did he, uh, what did he do there? What, why is this so important that Jesus then comes and does this? And he enters into the throne room. Why is that so important? Yes, yes. And, and what does he offer? Yeah, his blood, his own blood. Um, now, we do have this already with uh, what Old Testament story? What? Yes, yes, Abraham and Isaac, right? We, again, God is wonderful. He reveals this so many times in so many ways. Um, but Abraham and Isaac, Abraham is sacrificing his son. So it, it, again, it's a strange story. Okay, Abraham, uh, it's time for some child sacrifice today. Uh, take your son up on the mountain. And uh, I, again, this, it would be a strange thing. And yet, is that not what God did? To sacrifice his son? For our sin, so that through his blood, and you notice that Abraham and Isaac were before the tabernacle. Okay, so, so again, this is uh, also helps us. The Old Testament really does provide us with all the promises that are being fulfilled. Okay, um, so he obtained eternal redemption. 
So that's what he does. He goes in with his blood, obtains redemption. All right, verse 13. Um, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? All right, so now we have two pictures. One is the Old Testament. Uh, they are being cleansed in body. So, they're, they're, so here he makes this distinction. Um, their, their flesh can be cleansed even when their consciences aren't. And so they enter into the tabernacle having their flesh, their bodies cleansed. Um, but Jesus then, and, and sometimes we are too harsh on the Pharisees. Because they, they had all these rules. And so one of the rules was you had to wash before you ate. And so there's a, there's a big section in all the Gospels that talk about um, you know, what defiles a person. And again, they, they got it wrong because they thought, well, as long as my flesh is clean, as long as I've done what God had told me uh, in the Old Testament, now my conscience is clean. But they got it wrong because it was pointing to Jesus. And so they thought, they thought the, there wasn't going to be no second testament, no second covenant. So all those who had the first covenant and thought this was the only thing were very surprised when Jesus comes and says, this is the New Testament in my blood. But all those who were looking for what the tabernacle foreshadowed, knowing that uh, again, he brings up these examples sort of as commonplace, right? Well, of course, if the priest has to continue offering uh, you know, goats and bulls for his own sin, he's not perfect. It's sort of, it's sort of an obvious thing. He offers it for his own sin, right? So he can't be the one who's going to save us. So there's sort of this obviousness of, yeah, this is only the flesh, but, but it was a picture. And it was showing us that someone would come to do these things. Um, but now here... We have this, the, the contrast. If you do all those things in the Old Testament, what is clean? If you did every ordinance, what's clean? You sacrificed all the bulls right, you did all the washings right, what's clean? In and of itself? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, or, or your flesh. Well, it, and what does that mean? It means that you are part of the fleshly right. association of those who are descended from Abraham who have possession of the covenant. Right, right. And and I had a question too. Yeah. Verse 13, when it's speaking of the ashes of the heifer. Yes. Is that that a general purification of the flesh or is he talking about the red heifer? Oh. uh, (laughs) Are you... I'm assuming that this is no, no. I, I'm, I'm assuming that this is their their typical cleansing process. Because the red heifer was the one sacrifice that they used to dedicate the high priest and the priesthood. Right, right. So I think they're. I think they are talking about I mean, the priesthood. Yeah, I, I definitely think that would be part of this. So yeah, that 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 would be a part of this as well. And he's contrasting the priests of the Old Testament then the uh, the purification of the heifer, the fleshly identification of them as, as a priest carrying out the works of God with the atoning priest, which is Jesus Christ. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> but it doesn't say red heifers, so I'm just going to go with... <laughs> well, but I think you can trace it in the sacrificial system. No, I, I, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and the connection to the priesthood is, you know, I mean, it's, it's clear. And, you know, and, and he is the only one that can go back there, right? Um, so, so again, his cleansing of himself. But keep in mind, it's all only the flesh. Again, even when the priest did all these things, he still only cleanses the flesh, meaning that there's a limit to all the things we can do. Uh, and that limit is only as a picture of a high priest to come that's not us. Yeah. And um, he had to keep doing this. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's sort of the rhythm, right? That, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Look at these things. These are not eternal. These are things that are passing away. And the old covenant then is going to pass away um, and be completed in the new. Um, okay, so we have that. That's the flesh. Yes? I'm going to go back to what you were talking about earlier about 
Yes. Yes. The people were not, but when they when they made their offering, they gave the lamb for the sacrifice. So the blood of their lamb would would be taken in. That's right. For their sins. That's right. Again, they would they would see that this lamb that I that I gave was sacrificed in place of me. Right. For my sins, and and the blood there was taken in for my sake. Yeah. So again, they live by faith that uh, God would accept this uh, in place of uh, their, own, their own lives um, and not kill them. That's right. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, and, and they would have seen this, um, again, even the priest coming out to them as God coming to meet them and then bringing their sacrifice, that's the priestly duty. So you're right. Yeah, that, they would have... As long as they understood you know, the proper understanding of the sacrifice. Right. It was still by faith. So they may not have entered, but um, the, the sacrifice... That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, what then is being made manifest? You know, this way for all to directly be with God as this priest was that they didn't have access to. Um, so again, the flesh is one thing. And then this is the, it's the strange thing about our human existence. We have no access to our, our soul's um, in the sense that uh, we, can't, we can't cleanse them. Uh, there's nothing we can do uh, that makes us clean in our soul. Our body, we just don't have a bodily way to do that. Um, and, and so, again, th- this is, this is the, the shift. Is, well, if, you were, if you were to be asked, well, you, know, you can't answer Jesus, okay? Uh, um, what, what can you do for your soul? What would people typically answer? How can you... You know, you, let's say you recognize there's a body and a soul. What can you do for your soul? Good works. Well, yeah, yes, but you're, you're bringing Jesus into this. But, um, yeah, uh, so we do good works. That's the majority of what we would think, right? Um, I got to do good stuff. Or uh, we do a bunch of stuff that maybe we think will help us. So, for instance, every religion in the world has idols um, in one way or another. Um, you know, and, and I mean, the most common one around here is Allah. Um, and it's interesting because he, he actually, they don't have like a, a, a structure for him. He's, he is, uh, you can't see him, right? Yeah, well, that's true. But even Mecca isn't, isn't Allah himself, right? Right, right. Um, so, so again, they actually don't have something. But, but, the, but I will say their access to Allah is through what? Yeah, their works. Most specifically, and directly, is their works. Right? And even then... What? Don't they have to... I'm saying that. That's right. Don't they have to pray to Mecca? Their prayer access? Yeah, prayer. Right? Yeah. But remember, their prayer is an activity, and it's so many times a day. And their prayer is done as part of their participation um, or work. So it's considered a good work. Right, program. that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the Muslim also, you notice when they do their prayers, they do the ritual washing. So there's a washing that they do themselves. Yep. Everything that they do is, is geared toward the work that they have to do to the sense of God. We don't really know, inshallah, God wills. You know, so I mean, it's like, uh, it's like they have no, no hope in the future. The comment, though, also about the priest giving the blood that they maybe think of something. Only the priest can go in. But what we have in Christ, and that's what he's saying here, this is a new order in the sense that we have amongst our midst, in, 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 the, in, the, in the body and blood of Christ, on the altar, the signs and also the method by which we become one with Christ and such. Christ is our intercessor, like the priest, but yet we have access to him through our, our, our word and our sacraments, which is kind of a whole new thing, because always the jewel is outside of that, of that inner room. And also, I'm thinking that the sacrifices, I don't know, uh, I know that the, the Jews had two things that they could do, the ritual, the ritual bath, which was an admission of their, of their, of their uh, sin and guilt. And then uh, they also were commanded to bring these offerings. And if they were faithful, they brought them because they knew that they were sinners. So right. in a sense, for us, in a, going there to the altar for communion is good, but what we also have is confession and absolution. That's right, that's right, yep. 
Right, oh, yeah, the, re the very reason why we go to the altar, yeah. So, so then, uh, in the world, the only access you have to God is through stuff, right? That's it. Yeah? <clears throat> kind of talking about like, some of these proximal or, or locational access points. Is it a notable distinction that he's talking about the tabernacle and not the Jerusalem temple? Is, that, is there, I mean, is that something that would be, like somebody hearing him talk about that, well, we'll go to the temple, you know, the tabernacle hasn't been used and... That's a good question. I don't think that, I think he would have assumed the temple into this, um, but let me check on that. I don't, yeah. I mean, just to carry kind of my thought about it. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. The tabernacle, I mean, was mobile among the people, right? So a distinction where, you know, Solomon builds this temple for God, well, God commanded the instructions for the tabernacle, and I'm going to dwell among my people, which, I mean, and then you have Jesus, coming into the tabernacle amid the people and removing some of the hurdles right. for access. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, again, I, it wasn't that the, the temple was not the place to go. Um, you know, this was the place. But, but uh, again, the point was not that this would be the thing that would last forever, but that, that this was pointing to the promise. So their faith then clung not to the the. the the candles in the temple or the showbread or the incense, but it clung to God knowing that the promise he would give would fulfill all that. Um, so again, the, the real holy thing, uh, you know, going to the soul uh, is Christ and him crucified. Um, but then these other things are the pictures and the symbols. And in a way, this is why Nadab and Abihu are a good story because it still matters you know, your flesh still matters. And so, you know, the fact that they would transgress God and, uh, and even in this fleshly way still condemns them. Um, so, so there is, it's not like it's unimportant, um, but its importance is it needs to be properly ordered. So, so these are shadows. Here's the real thing. Yeah. The temple may have been destroyed already. The oh, that's right. Yeah, that could have been. Yeah. Um, yeah, depending on the writing of Hebrews, that's true. Um, so, um, so, yeah, and uh, I think, too, though, that, that going to the temple tabernacle, uh, he is referring to uh, many times the, the wilderness wanderings of Israel. So I think he's using that also as the image here to help teach this and to help realize that, you know, again, the temple was not distinct from the tabernacle in its function. I mean, it was the same rooms and the same, you know, everything happening there did not, it didn't change the law. It just, it just put it in Jerusalem. You know, so that's, that was the difference. Um, so I don't, I, I'll look that up though. I'm not sure if he's using that um, in a different way here. Okay. Just, just one other yeah. thing from the, from the passage, verse 14, it's such a beautiful passage. Again, in 13, it's contrasting the work of the priests who are fleshly and sinful and have to, purify themselves constantly. In verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, who, who's that? God. That's God, the eternal spirit. And where is that spirit? It's incarnate in him. So God is acting in Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit, through his divine nature, offered himself. And so he offers the sacrifice and is the sacrifice and he alone can do it because he is the eternal spirit and is God. God is sacrificing for us in Jesus. And since God is sacrificing himself in Jesus for us, our conscience can be sure because it's not sinful men who keep having to sacrifice for themselves, but it's God who's offering and is the sacrifice. Right. And, and it's finished. I mean, it, it's the end. If God is doing that, then any sin that we've done, we know is more than adequately taken care of because God himself took care of it for us. And, and the other thing about tabernacling, isn't that the word in John 1.14, and the word became flesh, mm -hmm. tabernacled among us. Right. The gospel tells us Jesus is the tabernacle, right. the holy of holies. And as Gary was saying, what did he say to us as Christians? Lo, I am with you always. You can turn to him any time in spirit, in regenerate spirit, even right. as a sinner, and pray for yourself and others. Well, and, and that goes to John too, right? Uh, there will come a time when they will worship me in spirit and truth. 
Interesting. I mean, that's that's part of it. Um, yeah. No, it seems to me that so much of this, from the Hebrew, from the Jewish concern, they're concerned with place. Yes. Yes, they are. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and you mean like location, right? Yes. Yeah. You are here. Right. Yep. So, so, and again, that was the fault, is that they, they did not see the First Testament as, um, they, they did not see the fault in it. They did not see that the, the First Testament could not save. And so they're still, instead of having a Savior, they've made that their Savior. Um, which, again, the only way you can keep the First Testament is, is what? If you're perfect. And so, and, and that was the flaw of the Pharisees. They thought they could do it. They thought, ah, well, God has given me a way to heaven, so this is how I'm going to do it. Instead, all those pictures were meant to show them they couldn't. Right? And, and that, that God would then save them with his own arm and with his own son. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting point about the eternal spirit. I always consider that the Holy Spirit. Um, but Well, through is often a, 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 a means, a method. Right. So through the eternal spirit, uh, Paul contra or Peter contrasts that about, uh, uh, about the, spirit, uh, the, the divine spirit of Christ by which he went into hell after oh, his death ah. by the Spirit. And I, I sort of see that as... Eternal same, Spirit, yeah. By it, his divine nature. It makes more sense, I think, with the text um, to take that as Jesus as God is able to do these things. Remember the Athanasian Creed. So remember the Athanasian Creed, one is all, all is one. Yeah, but again, so, so what, what, what would this be? Uh, there, there are two things that we're talking about. One, it's Jesus as the person, the Holy Spirit as the person, the Father as the person. They are never mixed together. So that's not what we can do. Right? And we should never mix them. Uh, they don't become one another, nor can they take over one another in their identity. They're always separate. Um, however, they always work together. Uh, but but so, so one, one way to see this verse is to say, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, offered himself to the Father. Okay? I don't think that's absolutely wrong, um, but I think that's an option. The other way to say it is this. Jesus is God and man. Uh, Jesus, as God, through his Godness, offered himself to the Father. Okay, so th th that's the two ways I think this can be And, and that's seen. what Jesus says. He says, I have the authority to lay my down, that's right. down and pick it up again. How does he have the idea of that? Not only as a gift of God, as a man, but as being God himself, he has that authority. Right. So what, what I'm cautioning against is you don't want to say Jesus becomes the Holy Spirit um, or that their identities can somehow be mixed together and that Jesus became the Holy Spirit shortly and then he came back. Right? No, no. Um, so Jesus, as God, offers himself to the Father. Or Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, offers himself to the Father. But that's, those are the two things. Uh, not that they become one another or that they are mixed together. Yeah? I think of it in the sense the Roman symbol that's carried into the 20th century is the bundle of greens, the passes. And I think that the concept here is that you have these simple weak things together, whether you want to call it the people in Congress assembled or whatever, that are weak, but together they become strong in a sense of authority. And so maybe that sense is a way to see whether, although you're trying to say is, is it God and man uh, and, and the Holy Spirit are in essence one together all the time, but they are distinct people. Right, right, yeah. And, and both of those are necessary, right? right. Yeah. Okay, um, so God then... Jesus offers himself to the Father, and because he offers himself to the Father, he's purged your conscience. So again, going back to what you could do to clean your conscience, nothing. You cannot clean your conscience before God. There's no way to take away the guilt. There's no way to take away the sin. Um, and, and without Jesus paying for it, we are condemned. So... Uh, that is the greater sacrifice. That's what all the Old Testament sacrifices were pointing to. Christ has come. And that's why, that's why we seem like we always say the same thing. Because you can never get enough or to the bottom of the application of Jesus. 
You may indeed know Jesus takes away all your sins. But the more that you receive this, the more that your conscience becomes clear and clean, and then the more joyous it is to receive it. Right? And so that's how it works. It's, it's not as if, uh, again, this is what he's fighting against. Well, I learned that Jesus died for my sins once. That's real nice. Now I have to save a lot of money for retirement. So I'm, if you don't mind, I know that now, but I'm going to go work. Right? That's a very different thing. And that's, that's basically saying, well, you know, uh, God is all well and good. I've got that part of my life settled. Now, what about the other parts of my life? Whereas here, you know, this is the sum and substance. Pay attention, right? Uh, you should be teachers by now, and yet I have to be the one to teach you. So, so this is then part of that is uh, this, what Jesus is doing is eternally relevant. It's never going to become irrelevant. This is why we have one liturgy uh, is that it's always relevant. You know, you, it, it, it's a pattern that's established, and it's never going to be wrong. Right? Um, okay. So going to uh, verse 15. Did someone raise their hand? Sorry, I missed Okay. Um, all right. Uh, and for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. Okay, so the new covenant through his death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first. So the first has to be paid for. So, so we can't say, well, it doesn't matter. Or, well, the sins we committed under the First Testament don't matter. No, they have to be paid for. They just can't be paid for by us. And so Jesus does it. That those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Okay. Um, so then... Jesus is uh, the mediator for all time. So he's standing at the, at the uh, side of the Father, uh, at the right hand of God. Uh, and this is where, uh, again, some have got it wrong and said, well, you know, Jesus is in heaven uh, and not here. The right hand of, where is the right hand of God? It's everywhere. <laughs> well, okay, let me ask that. Where is God? Okay, so where is this right hand? Right, okay, so, so that's sort of, again, it's not that Jesus is far away, but his mediating for you, and, and notice too, um, this cuts off any idea that we could bring something to God for our sins. The mediation of Jesus is that he goes to the Father for you always. There's no, there's no other mediation for you. Uh, there's no other way you can get around Jesus. Uh, and, and this is why uh, in, in the book of Acts, he can say, there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Uh, and, and at the root of sin, then, is trying to get around God. <laughs> right? Well, if I want wisdom, I can ignore God and eat that tree. <laughs> right? And that's sort of the goal. Uh, well, if, if I want my sins taken away, I don't, do I really have to have faith in Jesus? I mean, can I do something else? Do I really have to come to church? Do I really have to receive the Lord's Supper? Do I really need baptism? Isn't that, can't we think of a better way? Uh, and, and that then is our, uh, why he has to emphasize this. This is our inheritance. He's the mediator. Um, all right, uh, let me get to the end of this, uh, Gary, and then I'll, 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 I'll get you. Um, okay. Uh, oh, and at the, at the end of this verse, this is the best part. And it, I think we Christians have a tendency, because we're flesh, to forget this. What are we called into at the end of this verse? Eternal when do you get an inheritance? When you okay. When someone else dies. When someone else dies, yeah. <laughs> and, when and when you're born into a family. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a, there are multiple things there, okay? Um, we, you answer the Christian way, right? And, and so you weren't, you weren't wrong. Um, but, but yeah, many times, well, when I die, you know, well, the earthly way to see it is when that person dies, we get the inheritance, right? Um, but, there, but there is a sense in which when we die, we will also have that inheritance. Um, and it's funny because when you said that, I, I almost missed that distinction. But, but thank you. Now I don't have to look like that. You get to look. 
Yes. Yes. No. No. We don't have to wait till we die. We have it now. Yes. But how do we have it now? You, yes. Yes. But but how do we? Um, how do we? What were you going to say? Yes. Right. And and you said by faith. So here is the hardest part. You have it now, but you have it by faith, which means what? given a promise. Yeah. And you can't see it. Seeing is not believing. It's not trusting to see something. And our flesh wants to see it so bad. And that becomes a great flaw of ours uh, as Christians, is we think we should have glory now. Well, you do have glory now. By faith. And on the last day, and this is why you guys were right, who said you would die to get the inheritance, is there is an eternal inheritance kept for you as well on the last day. But the inheritance here, I think uh, the other group is right in the sense that Jesus died to give you an inheritance. And you have it now. Uh, but this is the tension of the Christian life, uh, is that for now, we have all the promises of God. But what else do we have with us now? Baggage. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, as Luther said, what do you call it, the maggot sack around your neck? And what is that? Your flesh is still mixed up with sin. The old sin, the old Adam, will not be separated until you die. And this is why Paul can say, it is better that I die and be with Christ. Death is a gift to us now because it separates us finally from the sin in our flesh. And in the last day, we will be risen. Um, this is why uh, we, we Christians should never fear death. And when we fear death, we should remember that that's our flesh talking. Right? Uh, that fear of death comes from... And, and again, we, we do have weakness in us still as Christians. Um, it, it doesn't make death good in the sense that death itself is always part of that curse and part of the, the evil that had to happen uh, or the, the evil of um, the punishment of God. So the evil that God was punishing. Um, so it reminds us of that. And so in that way, we don't, we don't love death itself. But now we know that death has not become death anymore for us because what is the sting of death? sin. It's sin. Well, you don't have sin. So then, is death a sting anymore? There's no sting in death. That's why we Christians should call it sleep. Uh, we, 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 uh, in, in our great hymn, uh, we call it uh, a portal to life immortal. Uh, a doorway. Right. That's what we call it now. Now, again, we're still plagued with our sin, and so we still feel um, that there is a right to punish us, but that's why we cling to Jesus. And he takes away all fear of death. Um, he's already said this before. Uh, you know, so the author of the Hebrews has said, um, he released those, so this is in uh, Hebrews 2. Um, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. If you fear death, what is your life like? Based on this verse. You're a slave. That's what the fear of death does to you. We are not slaves. And if you subject yourself to the fear of death, You'll most certainly be a slave again. And all your life will be about keeping yourself alive. Or about the fear of this or the fear of that. Um, but this is probably, again, the greater plague than COVID among us uh, is a fear of death that is inordinate. Right? Uh, so again, we, we Christians struggle with lots of fears. It doesn't mean that immediately if you have any fear of death, you're not a Christian. No, of course not. Um, but to recognize this for what it is, and say, oh, you know, I, I'm plagued by this fear and it's not right. Jesus has taken away my fear of death and for some reason I'm still afraid of it. Right? Um, so to deal with that, 
Right? Why am I still afraid of it? What, what's, what's bothering me? You know, how do I grow in my trust for Christ? Let it motivate you in that way uh, so that you can say, gosh, this is, this is not good. You know, help me, Lord, to fear in the right way, to fear you and not, not death. Um, because here we have an inheritance. You, let me put it this way. You can't die. You can't die. So then we have nothing left to fear. Um, because Jesus has already died. He died the death for all. Uh, and you don't have to take that back. So this is our promise then. Uh, and again, it, it's, it's why it's so hard uh, for us Christians because it, it, it is by faith. And how is faith fed? Going back to uh, Hebrews 1. How is your faith fed? By the word. And, and again, that's, that's probably maybe the most frustrating. Because we would prefer, like the paralytic who was brought to Jesus, just let me walk. But what does Jesus do to the paralytic first? <laughs> your sins are forgiven, right? He does the better thing. And then he lets him walk. Um, so here then, uh, we have an inheritance that's kept for us forever. And we will get it. And we have it now as a promise. And we will get it in the end. Um, how, do, how can we be so certain that we're going to get it? <laughs> what? It came from the Lord himself. Well, it came from the Lord, but how, but, but how did it come from the Lord? How, how can we be so certain we have this inheritance? Yes! It's, of course, it's Jesus. Jesus actually died, and he actually rose from the dead. And that, then, is all of our assurance. Christ and him crucified. Yeah, yeah. Back to what I was going to say, it was interesting, all you said is a segue to it, and it goes back to this first, I guess some people like to call him Saint Abraham. When you look at what happened to him on the mountain, and he had his son Isaac, was Isaac, yeah. And he was going to sacrifice, and God will provide. Hearing what God had said, you know, a single woman, you know, well, that's, that goes back to Adam, but, but all of this, if you believed in that, and he's uh, faithful in that, in Genesis 3, the promise that God gave to Adam was realized in, a, in, 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 the, in, in the birth of that Abraham and, and, the, and the land that was given to, to him as a substitute for the sacrifice and the which is a precursor to sacrificing the Son of Christ. That's right. So all these things go back to that. That promise of Genesis 3 is the one thing that you can forgot. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and that's... We've got the example of Abraham. In the Hebrews here, we have that dimension. What does it say right at the front? In the front, we have the cow doing similar, but it may not come, but it enters. It's cow doing the same That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to mention earlier, too, about the same thing about Abraham and Isaac. And often when I heard that God was willing to sacrifice his son, but you we were just talking about earlier that Jesus was willing to be sacrificed. Yes. I think it was old enough to fight back and it's never spoken of that he ever fought back against the devil. That's right. Yeah. 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 And that he would go willingly as well, so that his trust was also in God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did see one of these shows. Uh, they were like these dramatized versions where, you know, after that, you know, Isaac had daddy issues because, you know, <laughs> his, dad, his dad tried to kill him, you know. And he, he tried to get, you know, no, God told me to do it. But no, I, I think the better, the better thing and the more biblical thing is that Isaac was willing. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and 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 that's what that was his name. You know, Av in uh, uh, Avraham is uh, father of people, right? Father of the people. Uh, so again, this is you know in Isaac, of course, the promise of joy. All right. Well, um, we'll end there because uh, then we're going to get into the testament, and that's um, sort of end up. So keep your sheets if you can. Um, we'll we'll. Uh, We'll come back to them next time. If not, I have extras for next time too. But um, So we'll, let's close with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Dear Heavenly Father, we have seen that your Son, Jesus Christ, has brought us in to the true tabernacle, namely unity with you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have placed this upon us and included us in the temple of your Son, Jesus Christ. So help us, dear Lord, receive all these gifts from you. Strengthen our faith that we are ready for our inheritance to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yes, Kim. Uh, so uh, Kim's going to be singing next weekend. So, oh. So you have Lutheran, the Lutheran High Westland Choir is scheduled to sing here at Emmanuel next week on January 23rd. However, due to complications that are beyond our control, that may change. If the day is rescheduled, you will be advised. Regardless of the decision, we will give thanks to him with our voices. To God alone be the glory. Amen. Amen. So next weekend, Lutheran High West End hopefully will be here. Thank you, Kim, for that. Thank you for I need as many reminders as I can get. So <laughs> Yes, during the service. During service. Yeah. 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 They'll sing in the service. Voters <laughs> meeting. Voters meeting. Tomorrow, seven o'clock. Here. Here.